Good evening, brothers and sisters in the faith. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for attending our Bible study for tonight. Praises be to our loving Abba for gathering us together for a study of his words. The title of our lesson today is Restoration of All Things. The truth is everything that's happening throughout the world is but the unfolding of the plan and purpose of Jehovah God, culminating, of course, in the restoration of all things. This is what history is from the time of Adam and Eve, from the time of the creation of the heavens and the earth up until this precious moment that we share together today. It is all the work of restoration from the hands of Yahuwah Abba. So what do we need to understand so that we can be a part of Yahuwah God's work, that we can work with him, not against him, as he unfolds his work of restoration? The book of Acts 3 verse 21, for he, referring to Yahusha our king, must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. So the Bible speaks of the final restoration of all things. Remember, ever since the fall, the fall in the Garden of Eden, Yahuwah God has initiated his work of restoration. We need to be watchful. We need to be aware of Yahuwah God's work of restoration. Why? So that we can work together with him, not apart from him. Because when we work together with Yahuwah God in his work of restoration, we will be a part of his restored work. Don't you want to be a part of Yahuwah God's restored work? Well, so that we can be prepared. So that we can be watchful when it comes to Yahuwah God's work of restoration. What do we need to do? Bible says we need to study the holy prophets. This is why it's not true. Some people are saying we no longer need to study the prophets. Brethren, many of the prophecies recorded in the book of in the prophets, they have yet to be fulfilled. They are being fulfilled at this very moment. And so when we study the prophets, we can see the work of Yahuwah God in reconciling all things, restoring all things until the final restoration of all things is completed. So when it comes to the restoration of all things, what is certainly included? Deuteronomy 31 to 4, to 4 when all these blessings and curses have set before you come upon you. And you take them to heart wherever Yahuwah your God disperses you among the nations. And when you and your children return to Yahuwah your God and obey him with all your heart and all your soul according to everything I command you today. Then Yahuwah your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens. From there, Yahuwah, your God, will gather you and bring you back. What is included in Yahuwah God's work of restoration? It is the restoration of the promise that he made to Abraham. Why is this included in restoration? Because it's an everlasting covenant. It will be fulfilled whether we like it or not. And what is included in this covenant? Restoration in the land of Israel, prosperity for the people of Israel. This will come to be. This will be fulfilled after the punishments of the curses decreed by Yahuwah God 
against his people Israel. Because what we read to you is about a prophecy. Yes, the people of Israel will be disobedient. And they will be punished, dispersed among the nations. However, what is, what is included in the prophecy? The Bible says they will be restored. How will they be restored? They first will return to Yahuwah, our God. There's that spiritual restoration. And then Yahuwah God will bring them back. What does it mean? That Yahuwah God will bring them back. Let's read 5 to 6. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your fathers. And you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. Yahuwah, your God, will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. What does it mean? That Yahuwah God will bring back his people Israel. Not only will Yahuwah God bring Israel to himself spiritually, but he will take all of Israel into the land of Israel. This is why the Bible says and makes a promise he will do this so that the fathers and their children in the last days will be reconciled, restored, because their hearts will be circumcised. I want you to keep that in mind. You need to look at the verbiage that's being used here. The fathers and the, the sons of these fathers that will take place at the ends of the earth. They will be restored together in the land promised by Yahuwah our God. And so this restoration will come when they will return to Abba. And we know because what is involved is the last days. What is the only way for the people of Israel to be able to return to Yahuwah Abba? What is the way? Our king, Yahushua. He is at the center of all restoration promised even back during the days of the Garden of Eden. This is why it's all Christ-centric. It centers around the work of our king, Yahushua. It's not really about your blood physically. It's about our king, Yahushua, and what he has chosen to do. And so what is the promise and when will this prophecy be fulfilled? Let's read the book of Deuteronomy 39 to 10. Then Yahuwah your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. Yahuwah will again delight in you, make you prosperous, just as he delighted in your fathers. If you obey Yahuwah your God, and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law. And turn to Yahuwah your God with all your heart and with all your soul. When will this be fulfilled? What Yahuwah God has promised concerning the children of Israel. They'll be reconciled with their fathers in the land that is promised. When Yahushua will be king of kings and lord of lords. And bring in the millennial kingdom. That's when it will be fulfilled. Take note for this to take place. What is the condition? The Bible says the people of God will return to Yahuwah through Yahushua. And they will also obey the book, the commands and decrees in the book of the law. So there's no removal of the book of the law. It's still part of it, even included in the messianic kingdom the 
kingdom, the millennial kingdom that the Bible speaks of. And so when it comes to restoration, it involves returning to Yahuwah. This is spiritual restoration, which can only be attained by going through the only way to Abba, who is our King Yahusha, and returning to the land, a physical restoration. So the spiritual restoration will begin with Yahusha and ends in the physical restoration of Israel with Yahusha as king of kings, reigning for a thousand years in Jerusalem. When will this take place? In the book of Matthew 19, 28, Yahusha said to them, I tell you the truth at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when our king Yahushua will sit on the throne, when is that? Millennial kingdom. When our king Yahushua will go to Jerusalem, sit on his throne for a, and rule for a thousand years. The Bible says that there are those who will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And so this shows us Yahuwah is not finished with Israel. He has work for Israel. But this Israel that the Bible speaks of, something that we have already clarified. We know what happened to the two houses, Judah and Israel, how they were dispersed. We know about the history of Israel. But we also know about its future. What is that? They will be brought back to the land. They will have a king who will rule. What's his name? Our king, Yahusha HaMashiach. When our king sits on his glorious throne, at last, the everlasting covenants will be fulfilled. Which one? Palestinian covenant and the Davidic covenant. Palestinian covenant involves the prosperity in the land that we call today Palestine. And it also involves the Davidic covenant. What is this? It is the promise of Abba that the root of Jesse, a son of David, will rule as king over all Israel. This will take place during the millennial kingdom and is part of the restoration of all things. So when we look at the restoration of all things, people returning to Yahuwah Abba must do so through our king, Yahushua. He's the center. There can be no restoration, okay? There can be no return to Abba unless we go through our king, Yahushua. What else is involved in this restoration? Restoration of Yahuwah's kingdom on earth with Yahushua as king ruling in Jerusalem. What else? Finally, the final restoration, the new heavens and the new earth. And so this is the process of the restoration of all things. At present, we are waiting for our king to return to rule upon the earth to usher in Yahuwah's kingdom, wherein he will be king and Mashiach. So we need to be aware, brothers and sisters. We need to be watchful, right, of Yahuwah Abba's work of restoration because we don't want to be left behind. We want to be a part of restoration. We don't want to ignore it. So we need to be watchful. We need to look at the prophecies because Yahuwah God, for sure, he will reach down and he will bring his people home first to Yahusha and then to the promised land. However, when Yahuwah God first reached out his hand to bring his people to Yahusha, what happened? Let's read the book of Romans 
9.24.26, when was this first fulfilled? Even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, remember the prophet Hosea? Remember how, yeah, how Yahuwah, God mentioned to Hosea the work that will be done through the two houses? I will call them my people who are not my people. And I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And it will happen that in the very place where it was said of them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. And so after the captivity, Yahuwah reached out his hand and he sent the beloved son of God, Yahusha HaMashiach, to begin the work of restoring all Israel, but only a, a scant number of people from the house of Judah and from Israel became members of the assembly of Yahusha. Only a few, but the few who did. The Bible says they have become my people, Yahuwah said. They have become my loved one, Yahuwah says. They'll be called sons of the living God, which is the reversal of Yahuwah God's judgment that was mentioned in the book of Hosea. This is why we study a portion of the book of Hosea to tell us when Yahusha came, the reversal of that took place and people from the two houses, Judah and Israel, would be brought into one house, the house of Yahusha HaMashiach, so that they can return to Abba. But only a few were able to respond. The truth is the Jews, what did they do with the king Yahusha? Instead of accepting the king, what did they do? They put him to the cross, right? They rejected their king. This is why our king Yahusha says, if only you knew who is the one who speaks to you now, your king who comes from the line of David, then you would have already received your blessing. But they rejected our king, Yahusha. And when the assemblies began to form, when the Gentiles began to receive the gift of our King Yahusha, because Apostle Paul said that Israel as a whole would reject Messiah and they would be brought to a hardening and a temporary blinding so that the days of the Gentiles would come first. But in the end, all of Israel would be regrafted into the, into the tree. However, according to Apostle Paul, what would happen to the assemblies? The book of Acts 20, 29 to 31 I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. We know all about this passage. Apostle Paul, before dying, Truth is, even before he died, because he knew and he felt the persecution that he was going to die soon. And so while he had the opportunity, he preached to them with warning, day and night with tears, but they would not listen to him. And the Bible prophesies that after the death of the apostles, what would happen to the disciples of our King Yahushua? What would happen to the assemblies of our King? Eventually, they will turn away from the faith, the apostasy. The Bible speaks of. This is why when we look at the history of the assembly of Yahushua, do you know what eventually happened to them? In Healy's Bible handbook, the imperial church of the fourth and fifth centuries. Now, when we say fourth and fifth centuries, that number's from like 380 and above, 
right? And so during that time, uh, the church had become an entirely different institution from the persecuted church of the first three centuries in its ambition to rule. It lost and forgot the spirit of Christ. Worship at first very simple was developed into elaborate, stately, imposing ceremonies, having all the outward splendor that has belonged to heathen temples. So the focus was not on the spirit. It was not focused on inward change. It was not focused on the heart. The focus rather was on the temples, right? The outward splendor that belonged to heathen temples. Ministers became priests. The term priest was not applied to Christian ministers before 8200. It was borrowed from the Jewish system and from the example of heathen priesthood. Leo I prohibited priests from marrying and celibacy of priests became law of the Roman church. So shortly after the death of the apostles, we know the church underwent a transformation. By the fourth and fifth century, it became completely different from what the church was during the days of the apostles. So things changed, doctrines changed, their works changed. And so what were some of the things introduced, which is why there's a need for restoration from the story of the Christian church, the forms and ceremonies of paganism gradually crept into the worship. Some of the old feet, a heathen feast became church festivals and change with change of name and worship. About 405 AD, images of saints and martyrs began to appear in the churches. At first as memorials, then in succession, revered, adored, and worshiped. The adoration of the Virgin Mary was substituted for the worship of Venus and Diana. The Lord's Supper became a sacrifice in place of a memorial, and the elder evolved from a preacher into a priest. So all these concepts that began with the apostles in the first century transformed the ceremonies and the forms as guided by paganism. So paganism crept into the church, into the assembly. And so in the work of final restoration, what do we need to do? We need to unroot, right? We need to remove these pagan elements in our form, in our worship. We need to remove anything that involves the worship of other gods. And so what else was included in the transformation of the church? Let's read from Apostles uh, Discourses on the Apostles' Creed. Thus, for example, it was not until 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea that the church defined for us that it was an article of faith that Jesus is truly God. In 381 at the Council of Constantinople, it was defined that it is an article of faith that the Holy Ghost is God. But also uh, developed over the years after the death of the apostles, the deity of Jesus, their Jesus, right? And so they met as a council in Nicaea and determined that Jesus is truly God. 381, the Holy Ghost is also God. And so when they met as councils in the Catholic Church, they, they came up with dogma that they would implement in the church. So we saw the teaching concerning the Christ change. He became now God. Not only that, 
according to the faith of our fathers, the Catholic Church teaches that there is but one God. In this one God, there are three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, who are perfectly equal to each other. This is called the Trinity, right? I mean, when you talk about Christendom today, when you speak about people who profess to be followers of the Christ, what is their belief that is common regardless of denomination? An overwhelming majority, I'd say about 99% of them, what do they believe? They believe in the Trinity. In one God, there are three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Where did that come from? Not the Bible. It came from where? It came from the Catholic Church as influenced by paganism. And in our future studies, we will, we will show you the relationship between pagan ideas and beliefs and the Trinity. And when the Trinity was established by the Catholic faithful, what did they do? Let's read the Church of Our Fathers. The most successful was the great emperor Justinian in the 6th century, who for a brief period regained much of the Roman Empire. The other great achievement of the emperor Justinian was the gathering up and sorting out of the laws of the Roman Empire into one system called the Code of Justinian. Part of this law has to do with the Christian religion and the church. The code says that any who refuse to believe in the Trinity and who repeat baptism shall be put to death. And so to impose uh, the belief in Trinity, what was added in the code of Justinian, the code that says if one refuses to believe in the Trinity, they were to be put to death this is why so many people today who profess christianity they believe in the trinity it came from one source that's a catholic church but that did not come from the apostles it did not come from our king yahusha himself what also was introduced as people uh, as time progressed which is why there's a need today for restoration radio replies catholics rightly therefore call the priest father not to the exclusion of their father in heaven but as a manifestation on earth of the supreme fatherhood of God in the spiritual order. The priests were called father because they said that they represented God here on earth. I wonder if that sounds familiar, but that's what the Catholic Church instituted. What else? Manual of Christian doctrine. What is the Catholic Church? The Catholic Church is a society of all those who being baptized, profess the faith of Christ and are governed by their lawful pastors under one visible head, the Pope. And so the Pope or the papacy became now the head of the visible church. What else do they teach about the papacy? The word Peter in the Syro-Chaldaic tongue, which our Savior spoke, means a rock. Jesus, our Lord, founded but one church, which he was pleased to build on Peter. Therefore, any church that does not recognize Peter as its foundation stone is not the church of Christ and therefore cannot stand for it is not the word of God. And so they rejected Yahusha's head. They also rejected Yahusha as the foundation stone, replacing it with the papacy. What else? Some by nefarious arts made certain images, which through the power of the devil produce certain effects. Whence they thought that these images contain something divine and consequently that divine worship was due to them. And so the worship of images 
that also became prominent within Catholicism, right? And we know what Spain and those who were proponents of Catholicism, what they wanted to do, they wanted to bring Catholicism into the whole world. And so what we can see is the corruption, the deterioration over the years of early apostolic belief, the belief of the apostles, as taught by our King Yahusha in the first century. We need to restore what was preached by our King Yahusha. And so we know what happened after the death of the apostles. There was an apostasy that took place. It's a good thing our King Yahusha had a prophecy as well. John 10, 16, another sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. Remember what our King Yehucha says? I was sent to the, the 12, to the lost tribes of Israel. When our King Yehusha was here on earth, those who followed him, there were some, there were some who belonged to the tribes of Israel. There were some who belonged to the tribes of Judah. And, and Levi, right? When Yahusha was here on earth in the flock, but he knew most of them were not yet there. This is why, what did he say? I have other sheep. He's referring to people who will be brought into his flock in the future. Other sheep. And who are these other sheep? The book of Acts 2, 36, 39. Therefore, let all the house of Israel Take note, this promise is for is concerning all the house of Israel, house of Judah, house of Israel. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Yahushua, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. What is the promise of Yahuwah? Through the preaching of the apostles, which is also the promise of our King Yahusha when he spoke about his other sheep. The Bible says they will come from afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. This is what, what we need to do now is to identify this work of bringing people together that Yahusha, our King, will do because he has sheep. He has lost sheep, right, from Israel, and he will bring them together. And this will take place in the future in a far off place and time. So where is this and when is the time? Isaiah 43, 5 to 6, fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not, bring, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. We studied this before. We know that the east mentioned there is the far east. And we know the far east where we find the, Israel, the people of Israel. The tribes of Israel are in the islands. The islands of the sea in the far east. That will take place also during a time that is at the ends. This is why the phrase ends of the earth refers to both place and time. This is one of the wonderful things about Hebrew. Ends of the earth refers to both 
the ends, meaning the far off place from Jerusalem. It also refers to a time close to the very end. And so what is Yahusha, our king, going to do? He's going to bring his other sheep together, right? And we know this was fulfilled. We all know how this was fulfilled, but the work of Yahuwah God for Yahusha HaMashiach is not yet finished. If you notice, the Bible speaks of descendants, right? And we know that this prophecy was first fulfilled. Now, when we say it was first fulfilled, we mean to say this work of salvation is not only for those who are in the Far East. No, it's just the beginning. It's just a way for us to identify the work of God. And so it shows us a place and a time. Remember, we need to be watchful. We need to be aware of Yahuwah God's work of restoration. There's one that will begin in the Far East during a time called Ends of the Earth. And when we look at this prophecy, it mentions descendants. You notice that? I will bring your descendants. Now, what does that mean? Whose descendants was he speaking of? Isaiah 41, 8 to 10. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So when the Bible speaks of descendants, what is it referring to? These descendants who will come from the Far East in the islands of the sea during a time called ends of the earth that will be brought together. They are What descendants are they? Descendants of who? We find the answer here. Descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Descendants of Jacob, descendants of Israel. Now, one might say, well, they are spiritual descendants because one can a person tends to spiritualize things. And so they will say that those who belong to Christ are Abraham's seed. That is true. But have you ever wondered when Yahuwah God began his work of restoration, why did he begin in the Philippines? Have you ever wondered that? I mean, of all the countries, why the Philippines? Because of the descendants of Abraham. This is how Yahuwah God will begin his work. From among the physical descendants. The physical descendants of Abraham. When they accept Yahusha as king, they too will become spiritual descendants. But in this prophecy, it's clear. Descendants of Abraham. What does that mean? When we look at the word descendant in Hebrew, it is the word zerah, Hebrew word 2233, which means what? It means a sowing, seed, semen, virile. In other words, it's a physical descendant of Abraham, a physical descendant of Israel. And this is why when the Bible speaks about the descendants and the tribes of Israel in the Far East, they are physically related to the Hebrew people, to specifically Israel. And we studied before what happened to Israel, right? Portion of them went to uh, Kurdistan. Eventually, some of them stayed there, but most of them left Kurdistan 
to a better land and they travel to Ophir, the Philippines. This is why when we look at the Philippines, it fits the description of the Bible about Ophir, including Hebrew names across the Philippine archipelago and the nature of the Tagalog language. And so we know that the tribes of Israel, after the captivity, Yahuwah God planted them in the Philippines. Now, Yahuwah God is going to reap his harvest during the end times because there's work of restoration that is to be done. And so we need to understand, however, in the islands of the sea in the Far East, they're composed basically of three people, descendants of Ophir, Sheba, Havilah, which is associated with Tarshish. Ophir, Sheba, Havilah, they're descendants of Joktan. And so they are, five, they are descendants of the Hebrew people, the Abari uh, people. And so after the flood, they went to Ophir, they went to Tarshish, they went to Sheba, which is what we call uh, the Philippines today, right? Also in the Philippines, eventually, after the Assyrian captivity, they migrate, they go to the tribe, they go to the Ophir. And so the descendants of the tribes of Israel can also be found there in the islands of the sea in the Far East. And also there are, of course, Gentiles there in the Philippines. And so the Philippines is the place of reaping in these last days because Yahuwah God is going to begin his work there. Why do we know this? Well, who was the one who scattered uh, his people Israel to the Philippines, the isles of the sea in the far off place in the first place? Let's read the book of Jeremiah 31, 10 to 11. Hear the word of Yahuwah, all nations, and declare it in the isles afar off and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock for yahuwah has redeemed jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he so yahuwah god was the one who planted the israelites there in the isles and when the proper time comes when the reaping day comes what will he do he will bring them together this is why our king yahusha says i have other sheep they too will be brought together and there will be one shepherd and one flock. That's also the word of Jeremiah, the prophet. This work of bringing together the descendants of Israel that will begin in the islands of the sea in the Far East has been prophesied and it has been fulfilled. And we know how it has been fulfilled. And so this work that will take place will begin in the Far East. But is it just for the people in the Far East? Isaiah 43, 5 to 6, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the East and gather you from the West. I will say to the North, give them up, and to the South, and I'll keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the Earth. And so this eventually will lead to a gathering of people from different parts of the world and the purpose is to restore to restore israel as a whole under our king yahushua this is why when we look at the word descendants in the far east we are so happy now it makes a lot because it makes a lot of sense now why the philippines was chosen Right, because before we used to say it was because it's a poor country. Well, there's many poor countries in the world today, 
Why the Philippines? It's because that's where our King Yahuwah planted or scattered the descendants of Israel. This is why we cannot deny our Hebrew heritage. Brother Felix Manalo is Hebrew. Because when Yahuwah God begins a work of salvation, he begins with a Hebrew teacher or proclaimer. What further proves this? Well, let's go to the book of Revelation 7, 2, 3. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice of the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. We know this prophecy was fulfilled in the person and ministry of Brother Felix Manalo, and his work is to seal. What is the seal of the living God? It is the Holy Spirit. People who will receive the Holy Spirit because they will believe in the gospel that is preached. But this work of sealing is ongoing. You notice that? Because the Bible says that this work of sealing will continue. This is why the pronoun we was added in the prophecy. There are those who will continue the work of sealing. And what will be the result of this sealing work? The Bible says, I saw another angel, right? But the Bible also tells us what he heard. What he heard was the result of the preaching function that started in the islands of the sea in the Far East, the result that is ongoing until the end of time. What is that result? We read Revelation 7, 2 to 3, when the Bible says, I saw another angel, right? This is a prophecy. In that prophecy, what is included? 4 to 8, and I heard the number of those who were sealed. Who's doing the sealing work? The work that was given to Brother Felix Manalo. What does it say? And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed of the tribe of Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Levi, Simeon, Issachar, Zebulon, Joseph, and Benjamin. And so we can see here, when it, when it comes to the descendants, it's not just speaking of a spiritual descendant, but a physical descendant. This is why the tribes have been mentioned. And so this tells us the work of Brother Felix Manalo began by preaching to the tribes of Israel that were there in the Philippine archipelago. And it continues to this very day until Yahuwah's plan and purpose will be completed. Does it mean it's only for those who belong to the tribes of Israel? Seven, nine. And these things I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And so the work that was begun by the preaching of Brother Felix Manalo. It is first and foremost to begin with the, the Israelites, the descendants of physical Israel, the tribes of Israel that migrated from Assyria down to the Persian Gulf and all the way to Ophir, the islands of the sea in the far east. And what, how does the Bible describe his work? What did he need to do? Isaiah 43, five to six, fear not. For I am with you, 
I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. You notice in the prophecy, there are those who are holding back this gathering of the people of Israel under our king, Yahusha HaMashiach, the north and the south. And we've studied this before when we say the north and the south are holding him back. Remember when Magellan and Pigafetta, what banner were they carrying with them? Catholicism, right? They wanted to bring Catholicism throughout the world. So when they went to Ophir, what did they want to do? Not just to take the gold. They wanted to enslave them as well, right? They wanted them to convert to Catholicism. This is how Catholicism spread. Those who refused uh, the cross, they got the sword. And so when they went to the Philippines, what did they find? Then he asked whether they were Moors or Gentiles and in what they believed. The answer that they did not perform any other adoration, but joined their hands looking up to heaven. And they called their God, Abba, simple religion, right? They were worshiping God, who is Abba. And so when Pigafetta found this out, what did they try to do? Magellan and later on, eventually Spain would colonize the Philippines and make it into a Catholic country, right? The Philippines probably boasts more than 86% of the population is Roman Catholic. And so all the, ap the apostasy that took place in the second, third, fourth century and beyond that we mentioned earlier, the papacy, the Trinity, the images, the Pope being the, the head and also the, the, uh, the uh, rock of the church. All of this now corrupts the entire Philippine archipelago. This is why the work of Yahuwah God's messenger, Brother Felix Y. Manalo, would be to preach against what? First and foremost, what is the scope of his work? To preach against Catholicism. You see that? That's the work that Yahuwah God gave to Brother Felix Monello. That's the scope of his work, to preach against Catholicism, to restore or to begin the restoration of people, that people can return to Yahuwah Abba. And so to what is this work likened to? Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says Yahuwah, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and beat them small and make the hills like shaft. You notice uh, what Yahuwah God calls uh, Brother Felix Manala, worm Jacob. What does that show us? The physical relationship. This is why we believe that Brother Felix Manala and the early converts of the preaching of Brother Felix Manala were men of Israel. Physically, not just spiritually, but physically. This is why the name given to him, if you can look, Worm Jacob, Tulat Yaakov. And you notice in this uh, translation, you notice the Paleo-Hebrew. It's translated and pronounced Yahuwah. It is shown in modern Hebrew, in Paleo-Hebrew, Yahuwah. And it mentions what Yahuwah God will call uh, this person who will initiate this work. Worm, 
Jacob. Why is he called worm Jacob? What promise was given to him? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contend with you, those who war against you shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. And so what is the promise of Yahuwah God? To his messenger, Bible says, I will strengthen you with his righteousness, the words of God. Why would he need that? To what was he likened to? Well, if you look at Isaiah 41, 14, he's likened to a worm. And what work is he going to do? He is going to thresh the mountains and beat them small. What are the mountains referred to there? Catholicism. And some hills called Protestantism. But namely, the mountain. This is what the work, this is the work that was given to Brother Felix Manalo to thresh the mountains. And when he preached, did he not preach against idolatry? Did he not preach against the papacy? Did he not preach against the Trinity and restore who the true God is? The Father is the only true God. Yes. And so the work that was given to him was fulfilled. That's the scope of the work that was given to Brother Felix Manala to thresh the mountains and beat them small. And we know this was fulfilled. And we also know the work, the uh, results of his work was very fruitful. And we can see that. All, all of us at one point became beneficiaries of his work. However, what would become of the work that started there in the islands of the sea? Well, let's read the book of Isaiah 24, 15, 16. Therefore, in the east, give glory to Yahuwah. Exalt the name of Yahuwah, the God of Israel, in the islands of the sea. For the ends of the earth, from the ends of the earth, we hear singing. Glory to the righteous one. But I said... I waste away, I waste away, woe to me, the treacherous betray, with treachery, the treacherous betray. Brothers and sisters, uh, the Bible is the one speaking here, not me. I'm simply quoting what the Bible is telling us. Bible is telling us about the work of treachery, about betrayal. And it, it's mentioned several times, and so it's very emphatic. And it, what does this treachery involve? This betrayal involve? It is a betrayal concerning the glory that belongs to who? Yahuwah God. Because the Bible says, exalt the name of Yahuwah. This is what he expects. But instead of exalting the name and the banner of Yahuwah, what did the people do? They exalted someone else. And so that was an act of betrayal. If Yahuwah God was upset when people worship Baal instead of him, when they give glory to someone else, Yahuwah God was very, very angry. How much more? During these days, the ends of the earth, in the islands of the sea, how much more if it's taking place even during this time of work of restoration? And so we know Yahuwah God is angry. And so what would become? What, what also was this act of betrayal? Again, the Bible speaks. I'm not going to mention any names. Isaiah 1, 21 to 23. See how the faithful city has become a harlot. She once was full of justice, righteousness. You should dwell in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, rebelling against Yahuwah God, companions of thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. 
They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Brothers and sisters, investigate for yourself how this was fulfilled. You already know how, but this is what the Bible does tell us. This is why when this was taking place, an act of betrayal against Abba was taking place, what did Yahuwah God have to do? Isaiah 1, 8 to 9, so the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in the vineyard, as a hut in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless Yahuwah of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. Again, Hosea is being alluded to because Yahuwah's work in these last days involves Israel as well. And so the Bible leaves behind a small remnant because the prophecy for Israel mentioned in Abraham, mentioned in Deuteronomy, it has to be fulfilled. This is why Yahuwah God would not allow that they would become like Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he set apart for himself a very small remnant. Why? Because the small remnant, they have work to do. Do you know what that is? The work of the very small remnant is to be instruments to bring to completion the work of restoration. Restoration. This is what the very small remnant must do. Why? And what will become of the small remnant? Why are we not surprised that there's only a small remnant? A small remnant from what? Isaiah 10, 23. Though your people of Israel be like the sand by the sea, only a remnant will return. Destruction has been decreed, overwhelming and righteous. The Lord Yahuwah Almighty will carry out the destruction decreed upon the whole land. Why are we not surprised that there's a small remnant, not the whole thing? The Bible does warn us also in Isaiah concerning Israel, right? Although their number is as the sand of the sea, how many will return? Only a remnant. What does it mean that they will return? They will return first and foremost to Yahuwah, to Yahusha. And second, they will return to the land, which is the equivalent of receiving salvation. This is why the Bible mentions there are many called, but few are chosen. And so amongst the many who were called, only a few, a remnant will make it to return, to return to Israel. To be co-rulers with Mashiach, our king, when Yahusha will establish his millennial kingdom. And so what we want to do now is to identify, right, the remnant. We need to identify the remnant so that we can be in line with Yahuwah's work of restoration. So how do we do that? How do we now identify Yahuwah's work with the remnant of Israel, Isaiah? 11, 11, 12. It shall come to pass in that day that Yahusha, Yahuwah will set his hand again the second time. And so we know what happened the first time he did that, right? Yahusha was rejected. Only a few became members of the assembly of Yahusha. Afterwards, it fell by apostasy. Catholicism emerged. And so what is Yahuwah going to do? He will set his hand again the second time. To recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathos and Cush, 
from Elam and Shinar, from Hamath, and the islands of, you see, you notice Yahuwah's work is not just in the Philippines. It's not just in the islands of the sea. Yahuwah's work through his spirit is at work worldwide. This is why we're not surprised that many people are returning even without our knowledge. This is not our work. This is Yahuwah's work. But we know this. There's a remnant that will come from the islands of the sea. And how will we recognize them? The Bible says he will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And so how can we recognize these remnants? The Bible says, if you notice, Yahuwah God will assemble the outcasts of Israel. You notice that? And so there are going to be remnants who are outcasts of Israel. Remember, Yahuwah God began his work in the islands of the sea, gathering, bringing together the Israelites, descendants of physical Israel, right? There are outcasts of that work. But Yahuwah God will assemble them. And the, the word outcasts here in Hebrew, it is the word daha in Hebrew 1760. And take a look at what it means. To drive away out. To push violently. To thrust down. In other words, they will be, they're the ones who were displaced. They were the ones who were expelled to drive away out. This is why they're called remnant. They were displaced. They were rejected. They were removed. Outcasts of Israel. But notice what Yahuwah God will do. He will assemble. He will assemble the outcasts of Israel. This is why we're not surprised there's going to be an assembly. But how are we going to recognize those who will be assembled by Yahuwah God? The outcasts, the remnant of Israel. The Bible says he will set up a banner. And so we will recognize Yahuwah God's work of assembling the remnants, the outcasts of Israel, because of the banner that they will hold. What is a banner? It's a flag, right? That legally defines who you are and what you represent. And so the outcasts, the remnants, will be assembled together. They will have one banner. What is that banner? Well, we read 11 and 12 to 11. Let's stay in Isaiah 11. Okay, right before that, it mentions to us who that banner is. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. Or the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. So the banner that will identify the assembly of outcast ones, of remnants. What is the banner that they hold? What's, what will identify them as a people? It is the banner of who? The root of? Jesse. <laughs> Do you know who the root of Jesse is? Who is the root of Jesse? Shiamsha. Why do we know that for sure? Let's go back to Isaiah 43, 5 to 7. Do not be afraid because I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up and to the south, do not bring them back. Bring my sons from afar, from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Bring everyone who is called by my name. Eventually, those who is included in this work of Yahuwah and Yahusha um, when it comes to bringing the people together. Eventually, they will be called what? By the name that Yahuwah has created. 
What is that name? Isaiah 49. Listen, O isles, unto me and hearken, ye people from afar. Yahuwah hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Here our King Yahushua will take on the banner of Israel. And the name was given to him while he was in his what mother's womb. And who is this one who will be given this name? He is the one whose mouth is like a sharp sword. Who is that? Our king, Yahushua. And what is that name that will be given to him that will be used to identify those who are from the isles of the sea? Because if you notice, the isles of the sea is mentioned here. They'll be identified with Israel, and they will have the name. The name, no longer Israel. It will be a new name, the name of the one that will be made by our king, our creator, Yahuwah. What is that name? Acts 4, 10 and 12. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yahushua Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So what is that name that Yahuwah God has created? A name created long ago to be given to the Savior of mankind. What is that name? It is the name of Yahushua, which has the name of Yahuwah. It is the name for salvation. Without this name, there is no salvation. And so the banner that will identify the assembled outcasts of Israel will be the name of who? Yahushua. This is why we're not surprised. Yahuwah God willed. That there was the assembly of Yahusha. Assembly of Yahusha. We have the banner. We have the name of Yahuwah. We have the name of Yahusha. The only name given for the salvation of people. This is what we need to proclaim. And so remember the question is. How can we identify the remnants of Israel. Who will return to the land. To be rulers together with our king Mashiach. For the millennial kingdom. How else can we identify? We know they have the banner, right? Besides that, how else can we recognize them? Those who will come from the ends of the earth, from the islands therein. Well, let's read Isaiah 42, uh, 10 and 12 and 21. Sing unto Yahuwah a new song and his praise from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein. The isles and the inhabitants thereof. Let them give glory unto Yahuwah and declare his praise in the, in the islands. Yahuwah is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. And so it's clear there's something else that Yahuwah God wants from the people that he began to assemble during the ends of the earth from the islands of the sea. Yes, they are to preach against Catholicism. They are to preach against images, idolatry, the papacy, the trinity. Yes, that's included, but that's not the completion of the work that Yahuwah God wants from those who began in the islands of the sea. What also does Yahuwah God want to do? 
as part of the rest, the work of restoration. Do you notice the last part? What does it say? He will magnify the law and make it honorable. What is that law that he will magnify and make it honorable? We know that's the law of Moses too, which is why in Matthew 5, 17 to 20, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass on the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And so what is that law that Jehovah God wants those who started their work in the islands of the sea in the Far East to do? What is that law that will be magnified, made honorable? The Bible says it is the law of Moses, the law or the prophets. So part of the restoration is restoring the law of Moses, namely the Ten Commandments. Why does that need to be restored? Because it was corrupted by the leaven of the Pharisees. Just like the faith of the early followers of Yahushua was corrupted by the paganism that the Catholic Church introduced. All that leaven that involved heathen worship that has to be restored. This also has to be restored. The law of Moses can only be magnified and honored if it first restored, removing the leaven of the Pharisees. This is why this work of remembering the law of Moses must also be done by the people called by Yahuwah God. Because remember, Yahuwah God's work is to restore to Abraham. Remember the Abrahamic covenant that was everlasting? We are parts of that. And so we need to look into that as well. And so when will this be fulfilled? This work of magnifying, this work of making honorable the commandments of Yahuwah God that was given to Moses, the Ten Commandments, Malachi 4, 4 to 6. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of Yahuwah. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And so before Deuteronomy 30 will be fulfilled, remember Deuteronomy 30, where Yahuwah God promises through Moses that the fathers will be reunited with their children in restoration with circumcised hearts. This is what Malachi is talking about. When will it take place? Right before the end. And so what needs to happen as part of restoration so that this can be fulfilled right before the end? We have to remember the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah God given to Moses. We have to remember. We have to magnify and honor that. And so this is the work that we need to do now. And when we look at the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, there are 10, right? And 
I think we've done most of it already. Most of it has been restored. I mean, honor your father and mother, okay? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. I mean, most religions, most churches have endorsed these commands. Is that not true? I mean, when you look at the churches, are there any churches today who say that you shall murder, you shall murder? There's none, right? Any churches today who say you shall not commit adultery or you shall commit adultery? No. I mean, when you look at the churches today, when you look at the Protestant churches, the Catholic church, they all endorse many of these commandments. But there's four that kind of stand out. The first four, right? That represents love for who? Yahuwah God. The first two involves devotion to others, to others, idolatry. You notice that? And then the last two involves devotion to Yahuwah. And so when it comes to having no other gods, not making idols and images, Brother Felix Manalo was able to do that. Was, did, did he not do that? But the last two awaits. The last two must be completed. And when you think about the command to love Yahuwah God, the part which expressly is directed to love to Yahuwah is number three and number four. Because the first two deals with uh, the others that you should not love. The last two, uh, three and four, deals with Yahuwah whom you should love. And how do you express that? Number one, do not take his name in vain. In other words, for this to be meaningful, when the Bible says do not take the, the name of the Lord in vain, it doesn't mean do not use his name. It means to proclaim his name, to honor his name, to worship his name, to love his name, right? And the, the other one is to remember Sabbath because Sabbath is not about rest. It's about rest in who? Yahuwah and Yahusha. It's about dedicating your life to Yahuwah and Yahusha. And so what needs to happen so that the islands of the sea, the work of Yahuwah God began there, can magnify and make honorable the law of Moses, the law of God. We need to restore the name. We need to restore Sabbath. Do you know why there's a need for restoring the name, restoring Sabbath? Because the Jew, the, the Pharisees, right, they added so many rules about the name. According to the Talmud, this is not the Bible, you lose your portion in the world to come if you pronounce the divine name as it is spelled. Therefore, the letters Y-H-V-H, when read aloud, are not to be pronounced under any circumstance. The word Lord or Hashem is usually substituted, and this illustrates the reverence with which the Jews hold this particular name of God. And so again, there's the 11 of the Pharisees, right? When it comes to the use of the name of God. Does Yahuwah God want us to use his name? Yes. To proclaim his name? Yes. Just don't do it in vain. And so it is the command of Yahuwah that by his name, people will be remembered. But what did they do to the name of Yahuwah God? He took it away. Beginning with the work of the Jews, the Pharisees. He took away the name of Yahuwah God. This is why in the translations of the Holy Scriptures in English, what happened? Even before English, even in the first century, before English, in the Hebrew translations, you know what they did? They used replacements. These replacements were done early since after the second century of our era. No more traces of the writing and pronunciation of the name of found. 
except among a few Christian scholars. Can you imagine that? They took away the name of Yahuwah God. And after the second century, there's no more traces of that name. This is why people began, uh, you know, after 150 CE or AD, God's name disappeared of most usual copies in Greek and of the Septuagint. For example, Tertullian, a Latin Christian, quoted the, the text of Matthew 22:44 to prove that Jesus and God were the same Lord. And he came up with that conclusion because of the mix-up that took place when a replacement was used in the, instead of the name of Yahuwah. And so because of this replacement, when they took out the name of Yahuwah, when Yahuwah's, God, when Yahuwah's name was rendered in vain because they took it out, it led to the other incorrect doctrine, which is that Jesus is God, right? And what also needs to be restored in the history of the Christian church, this is what it says in volume three, Constantine, 321 AD. It says here in English, on the venerable day of the sun, let the magistrates and people residing in cities rest and let all workshops be closed. And the contrary, however, persons engage in agriculture, so on and so forth. And so we see here that the Sabbath in 321 AD was changed to what? Day of the sun. Day of the sun. And eventually, and this was in 321 AD, 325 AD, what happened to Yahusha? He became God. 381, the Holy Spirit became God. Then the celebration of Christmas, the celebration of the sun god's birthday, December 25th. Remember that? It's all from the same system, the Roman Empire. It led to the catechism of Catholics even today. If you go, if you go to the catechism of the Catholic Church website, this is what it says. Uh, we, we all gather on the day of the sun, for it is the first day after the Jewish Sabbath, but also the first day when God is separating matter from darkness, made the world. And on this same day, Jesus Christ, our Savior, rose from the dead. And so they replaced Sabbath, the day of rest, right, into Sunday back in 321 AD, which became common and even among protestants when is the worship service day today what do they call it sunday right they even adopted easter easter sunday sunday became the focal point of catholicism protestantism those who profess to be christians and it all came from constantine and he worshiped the sun god sol invictus and take a look at the picture of uh, the sun god doesn't that look a lot like Jesus as portrayed by Catholics and Protestants? We all know where that comes from, right? It comes from pagan beliefs. This is why there's a need to restore the name. There's a need to restore the Sabbath. And the small remnant will be identified, not just by the banner of our King Yahusha, but also by the work that they will do. What is that? To restore the name, to restore the Sabbath. And what is the proof of this? Did Yahuwah God tell in advance that he will restore his name? Let's read the book of Isaiah 52, 46. This is what the sovereign Yahuwah says. Long ago, my people chose to live in Egypt. Now they are oppressed by Assyria. What is this? Asked Yahuwah. Why are my people enslaved again? 
Those who rule them shout in exultation, my name is blaspheme all day long, but I will reveal, you notice that? I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power. Then at last, they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. Yahuwah has demonstrated his holy power before the eyes of all the nations. All the ends of the earth will see the victory of our God. Will Yahuwah God in the last days, in the ends of the earth, will he include as part of restoration, revealing his name to his people? What does the Bible say? Yes. Here, Yahuwah God speaking about Israel. And he takes us to a brief history of the captivity of Israel. First in Egypt, right? Yahuwah God set them free in Egypt. Then in Assyria, Yahuwah God set them free and planted them in a fear. And then the Bible says, why are my people enslaved again? And so now what does Yahuwah God tell us that he's going to do? He says, I will reveal my name. And that name will be revealed at the ends of the earth. And so part of the work during the ends of the earth is to reveal the name of Yahuwah, our God. And when, when will this be done? Let's read Acts 2, 17 to 21. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on everyone. Verse 18, in those days, I will pour my spirit on my servants, on both men and women. The sun will become dark and the moon will become as red as blood before the terrifying day of the Lord comes. Then whoever calls on the name of Yahuwah will be saved. And so the Bible tells us in the book of Acts 2, 17 to 21, when Yahuwah God gave the gift of his Holy Spirit and the apostle Peter began to preach, he tells us what's going to happen in the last days. And at the latter part of the last days, what is going to happen? People will call on the name of Yahuwah. He's actually quoting from the book of Joel. This is why the book of Joel identifies further who will be doing the calling upon the name Yahuwah in Joel 2, 31 to 32. The sun shall be turning to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of Yahuwah. And it shall, it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of Yahuwah shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance as Yahuwah has said, among the remnant whom Yahuwah calls. And so again, the Bible specifies the time and the people who will call upon the name of Yahuwah. Who are they? The remnant. When? The latter parts of the ends of the earth. That is our time now, right before the end of the world. Well, what is, who are these remnants? Where are the remnants from? Let's read Zechariah. This third I will bring into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say Yahuwah is our God. Very clear, isn't it? The remnant will come from the third group. We know what the third group is. The remnant of the third group who will survive the testing of faith by fire. They will the one, be the ones to learn the name, not during the days of Brother Felix Manalo, but after this, but afterward. They will call on the name of Yahuwah God. They will know the name of Yahuwah our God. So we know they carry the banner, Assembly of Yahusha. 
They will proclaim the name and call God, Allahim, Yahuwah, right? How about Sabbath? What is the importance of Sabbath and restoring Sabbath? Ezekiel 20, 19 and 20, I am Yahuwah, your God. Follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Keep my Sabbath holy and they may be a sign between us. Then you will know that I am Yahuwah, your God. So if you want to know what, how can we identify today? The remnant who do who do the work of God, Yahuwah's work of restoration. Bible says one sign is that they keep the Sabbath. This is why the Sabbath has to be restored as well. It's part of Yahuwah God's work of restoring to magnify and make honorable Yahuwah God's law. Is this something that's important to Yahuwah? I want to read here the book of Isaiah 58, 1-2. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people the rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. So here is a description of the people who belong to God. But for some reason, Yahuwah God is not listening to their prayers. Yahuwah God is not responding to them. And so what was taught by Yahuwah God for the people to do? It says here, you humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please Yahuwah? And so they're thinking, these people belong to God. They're thinking maybe if we can fast, if they can go through the motions of penance, Yahuwah God will respond to them again. And so what, does, what is Yahuwah God's message? No, this is, the, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly in prison. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. And so Yahuwah God is telling his people who are no longer connected to him, this is what you need to do. You have to stop the oppression. You have to stop the injustice. But in addition to that, one more thing. What was that? So that the people of God, who were formerly a people, can again become a people. What also did Yahuwah God want them to do? We're still in Isaiah 13 and 14. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and Yahuwah's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in Yahuwah. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, the mouth of Yahuwah has spoken. So what was included in the reformation that Yahuwah God wanted from his people who were no longer his people? Yahuwah God says you have to stop breaking the Sabbath and delight in Yahuwah's uh, holy day. Make it honorable. So if we are to magnify and make honorable the love of God, it includes the Sabbath. The Sabbath is important to God. Why? Because of the Ten Commandments. It's the one that's focused on Him, right? Because we set a day in which we will delight in Yahuwah our 
God. That's the whole purpose of Yahuwah God's uh, Sabbath. It's not to vegetate all day long. Because when the Bible says rest, it's finding rest in who? Yahuwah God. Delighting ourselves in Yahuwah God. Finding joy in Yahuwah our God. This is why you know, there are people asking, Brother John, what can I do on the Sabbath day? Can I do this? Can I do that? You know what my answer to that question is? Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. And so when it comes to the Sabbath, brothers and sisters, I cannot decide for you. You have to do that yourself. It's like concerning offering, right? Brother John, what am I going to give for an offering? It's up to your heart. Because if I tell you what to do when it comes to Sabbath, I'm like judging you. It's something that you can determine for yourself. And so when it comes to, you know, enjoying the Sabbath, it's not a burden. It is a delight. It's a joy. I mean, there are people, some, just today, there was a sister who came to me and says, this is what I'm going to do. He, she already planned what she's going to do for Sabbath. She's not going to do any work. Right, and she, she's going to enjoy nature, she's going to enjoy guard the flowers, and she's going to study the book, meditate on the teachings. That's good, you know. Maybe for some people, they go to the beach and enjoy nature. If that was if that is what brings you close to Yahuwah, because the whole point is finding rest in Yahuwah God, being close to Him, thinking about Him. So it begins by setting that day apart this day. I dedicate to my creator, Yahuwah. And so you enjoy what he created. You enjoy the blessings and think about him and appreciate what he has done for you. It's not a burden. It's a joy. This is why in Psalms 37, 46, it says, delight yourself also in Yahuwah. That's what the Sabbath is all about. Committing ourselves by delighting ourselves in our, in our creator, Yahuwah. And so this Sabbath rest, it's going to be restored. Why are we sure? Matthew 24, 20. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. The one speaking here is Mashiach. And he's speaking to us about what will happen before the great tribulation. This is why we have to be watchful. Before the great tribulation comes, Sabbath will be again restored. And it will be restored in the millennial kingdom. Isaiah 66, 22, 23. As the new heavens and the new earth. That I make will endure before me, declares Yahuwah. So will your name and descendants endure from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another. All mankind will come and bow down before me, says Yahuwah. Here the prophet Isaiah speaks about the new heavens and the new earth. When the Bible talks about the, the new heavens and the new earth, it actually begins here on earth with the millennial kingdom. Because on that day, Yahuwah's government is in play. That is what's being implemented. And so it will carry over in the new heavens and the new earth, the eternal kingdom. But its official beginning is the new heavens and the new earth here on earth. And when the millennial kingdom comes, the Bible says we will worship from one Sabbath to another. So Sabbath is going to be restored. This is why the assembly of Yahusha were restoring the Sabbath rest, okay? Because when we look at how we can identify the remnant of the people of God, 
who started in the islands of the sea from the Far East, right? It will begin with having the banner of our King Yahusha being identified by that name, that's number one. Number two, they will proclaim and love the name of Yahuwah God. And number three, they will also proclaim the Sabbath. Is there one prophecy that includes all that? Is this only for those who are descendants of Israel? Oh, no. Take a look at this. We're almost done. In Isaiah 54, 46, and 8, take a look. This is what Yahuwah says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy. I want to pause it for a while. When the Bible speaks of eunuchs, he's speaking to those who are not qualified you know, to be partakers of Yahuwah's blessings in the temple. If you're a eunuch, if you're a Gentile, right? And so Yahuwah God's promise here, even eunuchs, even Gentiles, together with the outcasts of Israel, they'll be given a special blessing. How so? I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. So even if you're a eunuch, even if you're non-Israelite, right? I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name, a name far greater than, than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. Wow. It will never disappear. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to Yahuwah, who serve him. And what does it say? And love his name. How can you love his name if you don't know his name? Can you love something that you don't know? What's your answer? No. This is why when people say we praise your name, we worship your name, ask them, brother, what is that name that you worship? What is that name that you praise? Because you cannot praise the name unless you mention the name. Right? This is why the Bible is telling us there are those who will love his name, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate. What does it say? The Sabbath day of rest and who hold fast to my covenant for the sovereign Yahuwah who brings back. What does it say? The outcasts of Israel says, I will bring others too besides my people Israel. You see, this work of salvation is not just for Israel. As a physical Israel, but for all people. That's why all people, together with the descendants of Israel, that started out in the islands of the sea in the Far East, the work that we're doing now will bear the characteristics mentioned here in Isaiah 56. It mentions the outcasts of Israel, the remnant who will come from the islands of the sea. How will they be recognized? It says, I will give them a name far greater than sons and daughters could give for the name I will give them. It's an everlasting one. It's the name of Yahusha. What else? How else can we identify them? They love his name. We proclaim the love for the name of Yahuwah Abba. What else? The Bible says they will keep the Sabbath days and they will not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest. This is why we have proclaimed the Sabbath day. We want to keep it holy. And so when we look at Isaiah 56, it identifies us and our work, doesn't it? Doesn't it not? The assembly of Yahushua who magnifies the law of God that was given to Moses by keeping the Sabbath day holy, proclaiming his name and bearing the name that is the name given for salvation, the only name which is Yahushua. And so brethren, 
this is our calling. This is the basis of our election. We have been chosen to carry the banner of our king to do the work, the restoration. And this is what we will continue to uphold. And in the end, how when we follow the voice of our king, whose banner we hold, what will be the outcome? How will restoration complete itself? John 11. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Yahushua would die for the nation and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. So all of us from the islands of the sea, from Africa, from the West Coast to Kurdistan area, wherever, Yahusha is bringing us all together. We will magnify the name of Yahusha, proclaim the name of Yahuwah. We will magnify also the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah our God. So the restoration of all things, brothers and sisters, it's fast approaching. The second one is about to take place. Yahusha will return on a cloud and we will meet him in the air. And we will enjoy the wedding ceremony in heaven. And then we will return when Yahusha returns with a horse. When he first appears beyond the clouds. The second time he comes, it will be with a horse, the white horse. And we will rule with him in the millennial kingdom for 1,000 years. But that's not the restoration of all things. It's only for a thousand years. After the thousand years, the final judgment takes place. And then the new heavens and the new earth. That's the restoration of all things. How does that look like? The final passage of our studies today, Revelation 21, 1 to 4. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepare as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Brothers and sisters, what is the final restoration? We are headed there. Eventually, our king will return, and then he will install the kingdom, the Davidic kingdom promised by Yahuwah, and will reign to get, we will reign together with him for a thousand years. But after that, the new heavens and the new earth will come, because the old heaven and the old earth will pass away, and there we will be with Yahuwah God to be with him forevermore. This is the culmination of our election. But we have work to do. This is why we are thankful. We will celebrate our calling and election by devoting ourselves in doing the work of Yahuwah Abba to our King in Mashiach, Yahusha. May Yahuwah God bless all of us. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Almighty and loving Yahuwah Abba, ever since the fall from grace, the Garden of Eden, yes. moved by your love. Yes. You have set in motion your work of restoration. Yes. You have in your mind the Logos, yes. 
the promised son, Yahushua. Thank you so much. Because of your love, we have a chance. We have an opportunity to be your sons and daughters and to remain as such as we continue your work of restoration. Teach us to be watchful. Teach us to be alert, to be of sound mind. That when we read, when we see, and when we hear, we will be moved to action. We will not be overcome by persecution. Instead, we will focus on your voice and the voice of your beloved son. Our King Yahushua, we carry your banner. You are the banner to the people. Your precious name, Yahushua, was given to us for our salvation. Help us to do your work in these last days. Help us to be truly thankful. Without you in our life, what would become of us? Thank you for calling and electing us. When we look at our life, we ask ourselves, who are we? Who are we that you would think of us? Thank you for giving us the opportunity. Help us to make the most of this gift, to share it with others, to proclaim your truth and the work of your salvation. Help us to complete the work that was begun in us. Father, please have mercy upon our loved ones. Those who are still blinded. Open their eyes, oh loving Abba. The work of the prophets are being fulfilled. Just like what you have promised. They point to your son and they point back to you. Uh, Loving Abba, help us. That we can be your instruments. That we can lead many more people to return to you through your son. And all of us may be included among those who will receive salvation. Please, Father, prepare us for the work of worshiping you. Especially this coming Saturday. May your spirit be manifested. May you strengthen us once again. Give us the gift of healing as well. That we will be more bold in fulfilling our duties. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. You have forgiven all our sins. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.